When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. The Hartford understands protecting your business with the proper insurance can be a challenge. The Hartford team can provide coverage to suit your industry. The Hartford empowers mid- to large-size companies like yours to help manage risk, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. Let the Hartford help protect what's unique about your business. Learn how at thehartford.com. Meet Gary. Gary's about to become an Einstein in an instant. Whoa, Einstein hair. I like it. That's right, Gary, because you're using Salesforce powered by Einstein AI to connect data, predict business trends, generate personalized content, and wow customers. I do feel a lot smarter. Because you're not just Gary anymore. You're Gary, empowered by Einstein AI. Did you hear that, team? I'm an Einstein. Oh, can I get a selfie? The number one AI CRM. Now everyone's an Einstein with Salesforce. Now, from our nation's capital, this is Bloomberg Sound On. Today we remember and we reaffirm freedom is worth the sacrifice. You may end up with a third world war because of the stupidity of what we're saying and what we're doing. Bloomberg Sound On. Politics, policy, and perspective from D.C.'s top names. I think we're going to have a moment in time where all these things can be brought up and legitimately are going to be considered. 28 years later, there's a reason a lot of us are not optimistic. We will not relent. Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. The Biden administration tries to change the narrative on inflation while OPEC threatens to squeeze out Russia just as the Europeans shut off the oil spigot. Welcome to the fastest hour in politics after a Memorial Day weekend with record high gas prices and as you just heard from Doug Krisner, Texas crude back above $115 on the way to 120 today. We're going to talk just ahead with the sage of the oil patch. Daniel Jurgen will be with us, vice chairman of S&P Global. And as President Biden sits down today with Jay Powell, the Fed chair in the Oval Office, we're going to talk about the fight to lower prices with presidential advisor Gene Sperling, a veteran of three administrations, although the scenario he's facing now is quite unlike any other. The Sound On panel is back from an extra long weekend. Bloomberg Politics contributors Jeannie Shanzano and Rick Davis are with us for the hour. So here we go. The White House turning its attention back to the economy now that we're all back from the long weekend. I hope you had one. Just driving around in circles, if the news reports are correct. That's what we do, right? Memorial Day. We just drive, driving around, calling each other, refilling our tanks with gas. And with the taste of $5 gas in our mouths, the administration is turning to a full court summer press uh, on the issue that they see mattering most, inflation. The president met today with Fed Chair Jay Powell. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen was in the room as well, comfortable on the couches, the president sitting near the fireplace. They let reporters in the room. I'm not sure what people expected by all this, but here's President Biden today in the Oval. My plan is to address inflation. It starts with a simple proposition. Respect the Fed. Respect the Fed's independence, which I have done and will continue to do. So what we've been saying, independent Fed. And I'll remind you, 
that we're talking later this hour with Gene Sperling on this. Of course, even the Fed can't really impact the price of oil, though, and that's been a big issue. One of the big stories of the day, West Texas Intermediate approaching $120 a barrel as the Europeans agree to ban Russian oil, at least almost all of it. Gave back the gains on this headline, though. OPEC weighs exempting Russia from oil production deal. And that's where we start with a voice of experience in the oil market and the politics that surround it. Daniel Jurgen is vice chair, S&P Global, author of the Pulitzer winning book, The Prize, The Epic Quest for Oil, Money and Power. And he's with us now. Daniel, welcome back. When you consider a China that is reemerging from its latest COVID shutdown on top of everything else I just mentioned, can oil prices go anywhere but up this summer? I think the only thing that would bring them down is a, is a big downturn in the economy. But uh, with Chinese demand, some of it has been shut off because of COVID and the shutdown. And if China opens up, that's just going to add more demand and more pressure on oil prices. I mentioned OPEC maybe squeezing out Russia. So is uh, the report uh, from earlier today because of the European ban. What would that mean for Moscow? Well, I think it's it's kind of inevitable because the idea of this OPEC plus deal that was put together was that they would progressively bring more oil back into the market, 400,000 barrels a day. Mm-hmm. But Russian production is headed in the opposite direction. It's going down. So it's kind of irrelevant to be part of this deal. And I think uh, it, so it would mean stepping back from Russia's engagement, and that might give the OPEC countries some more flexibility. But, you know, one thing... Joe, uh, that gets lost in the discussion. There isn't a lot of more. Oil, there is not a lot more oil to squeeze out of OPEC. Huh. There's not much of what they call spare capacity, and it's just really in two countries: Saudi so, Arabia and the UAE. Well, can those two countries make up the difference, though? Would that would that keep prices stable? Well, I think if they said, for instance, if they announced that they're going to put more on the market, that would affect the psychology of the market. But it's a sort of, it's a double-edged sword because on the one hand, they have some more oil they could put in the market. But then the people who are in the market would say, oh my gosh, there's no, virtually no spare capacity, which is a sort of the security blanket and say, this market's really tight. And if something happens, prices will shoot up anyway. I mean, it would be welcomed and it would be psychologically significant. Uh, And, you know, if they get divorced in effect from Russia, uh, as part of this OPEC plus deal, that would give them more flexibility to uh, ease more oil into the market. Does that also encourage Russia to sell more discount oil to China and India? I mean, it's got to come out the other end at some point, right? Well, well, uh, particularly, I think that what we saw today with the European announcement, it's taken a few weeks to get it done. Mm-hmm. But it's basically what they're doing is dismantling Russia's status as an energy superpower. Wow. And so Russia will still move its oil. But, you know, it took a week to uh, send oil by tanker to Europe. It will take a month. Uh, and, the, and it will be at a big discount. You know, the Indians are paying 35, 40 percent less for oil wow. uh, than people are paying, paying elsewhere in the world. And so that will crimp Russia. It doesn't automatically mean that tomorrow Russia's uh, energy revenues are going to go down. But it certainly means that Russia is not going to be a player in the same way it was in the past. It'll still be a big producer, but it's not going to be an energy superpower uh, over after the next few months. Daniel, what's your thought when, when President Biden mentions the Putin price hike or some of the other names that he has uh, for it? We were talking about high oil prices the last time that, that WTI was, I think, at these levels uh, was before the invasion or just shortly after, I guess, was the beginning of March. Well, but we've been know, talking about this for months, really- Daniel. Is it fair for yeah, President Biden really, to, to, to make this a, a war-only phenomenon? 
Well, it's certainly, you know, the war is an important part of it, but I think you've, you've actually made a point that has gotten lost in discussion. Uh, we were going into uh, basically the, this global energy crisis started last autumn. Yeah. And it's because something I talk about in it, the new map, which is my new book, which is that uh, in, there's been a, like a preemptive underinvestment in, uh, in uh, energy supplies. So we had very tight markets going into this into this crisis. And so you're absolutely right. Those prices were already up, uh, basically starting around October. It started yes. with coal, natural gas, and then oil. So is it is it possible to answer this question? And I realize there are a lot of cross currents and, and, and frankly, prices I realize can move in anticipation of things happening. But what would be the price of oil if Russia had not invaded Ukraine? Where would WTI be today? Oh boy, that's a, a good question. I think it would have, you know, the price would not probably would not be as high. It would not be as high as as it yeah. is right now. Uh, I mean, you have to look at sort of what's happening to the overall economy. But you know, you did. I mean, basically going into this, you had the the, the three big three of oil were Russia, the United States, and mm-hmm. Saudi Arabia, and uh, Russia's production is going to go down uh, inevitably as a result of this. And uh, so I think what this has done is made it more protracted. And what it's also doing is uh, is kind of uh, upsetting, uh, sort of destabilizing the way oil has flowed around the world. Mm-hmm. You know, the system. And I'll give you one example. You talked about gasoline prices. Well, uh, Russia, is, I mean, a lot of refineries have closed down in the U.S. and elsewhere because it's thought there are these other refineries like you know, Russia was providing yeah. this part of this global system. So now we've got so a refining bottleneck on top of it. Yeah. Yes, exactly. What does that mean for gas prices this summer? I realize you're you're focused on on the 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 oil market here, but retail gasoline in this country uh, could see new highs then, based on this this backdrop. Uh, yeah, I yeah, I think that uh, uh, unless something really changes, that it's going to not going to be if the motorists are going to feel the brunt of it yeah. and if they feel the brunt of it this summer it will reverberate on the november elections and that's of course what the biden administration is very worried about right. it was really when gasoline prices started going up last november that they started saying well can we get production up instead that's of right. uh, not paying attention to it daniel jorgen leave it to me to ask you the hard question with a minute left uh but uh but you know you know who you're talking to here right with that said is there anything then Joe Biden can do this summer? We've already tapped the reserve. We're even talking about refilling it at this point. Is there anything they can do to make a meaningful change in oil prices, or is that getting to well, be a, I think, a, a question uh, I too think, cute for you? Well, I think that a, a better, you know, a better coordination on a global basis would certainly help to deal with what you talked about the bottlenecks before. And it's quite possible that they'll release more oil from the strategic reserve. And if they hadn't released the oil that they have done, we'd yeah. see higher prices. So it's a tough problem for the Biden administration. It'd be tough for any administration. Man. Daniel Jurgen, great to have you back, as always. Vice Chair S&P Global and a true expert. Uh, runs the Sierra Week conference as well down in Houston, where we spent some time, of course, a couple of months ago. And boy, this was the same conversation then. And the prices are a lot higher now. We're going to assemble the panel next and see where Rick and Jeannie are on all of this as we kind of morph this into a bigger conversation about inflation. Gene Sperling is going to join us a bit later on this hour from the White House. Of course, a veteran, as I mentioned, of three administrations and has the ear of this president on all things economic. He knows about this new push 
into the issue of inflation today. If you didn't mention or didn't notice the full court press, it is underway. We'll check markets and traffic for you as well. Welcome to the fastest hour in politics. We're back from the long weekend and joining you live from the nation's capital. Rick and Jeannie are up next. I'm Joe Matthew. This is Bloomberg. Johann Schmiegel, you've got the world's highest IQ. Yes, 247. Wow. Did you know that thanks to Salesforce with Einstein AI, everyone's smarter? Now everyone's an Einstein, just like you. But I'm the smartest. Not anymore. With connected data and trusted AI, everyone can give customers experiences they've only dreamed of. Oh, look, here's a few Einsteins now. Hey, hi. Hola, amigo. Everyone's an Einstein? It's okay, Johan. Let it happen. The number one AI CRM. Now everyone's an Einstein with Salesforce. Top Thrill 2 is like no other course. Two 420-foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy. Copy that, driver. Go for maximum acceleration off the start. Measure that. You've got a short straightaway to push from 0 to 74 on the first vertical speedway. And what about the rollback? Rollback will set you up for an explosive reverse climb 420 feet in the sky so you reach 0 Gs in total weightlessness. 420 feet of straight-up speed. Let's get it. Top Thrill 2, the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch Stratocoaster. Get your tickets at cedarpoint.com. Face it, your business is unique. It faces challenges and risks that are specific to your industry and to the skills you and your team bring to every challenge. You need experienced insurance professionals. The Hartford accepts the challenge. The Hartford understands that protecting your business with the proper insurance can be a challenge. The Hartford team can help provide coverage to suit your industry. The Hartford empowers mid- to large-sized companies like yours to easily manage risk from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. With experience in underwriting, risk engineering services and claims, the Hartford faces any challenge to deliver innovative, customizable solutions that your industry and your unique company demand. Let the Hartford help protect what's unique about your business. Learn how at thehartford.com. This is Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. You do start feeling like we're setting up a Road Warrior movie here, right? Forget about Top Gun for a second. The gas is too expensive. Let's assemble the panel now for some insights into all of this. Bloomberg Politics contributors Jeannie Shanzano and Rick Davis, an essential part of the fastest hour in politics. Jeannie, I hope you had a great and long weekend. If Daniel Jurgen is our advisor here, as we map out of all of our solutions to the world's problems, he is a pretty good one. There's nothing, if I heard correctly, there's really just nothing the White House can do but watch the oil market, much like the rest of us. Yeah, you you saved that last difficult question. And he he said, you know, maybe release some more oil. They've already done that. Better coordination on a global scale. And, you know, one thing I think it's important to note you know, he, he said, rightly so, we're looking at two available sources. We're li- really looking at the UAE and Saudi Arabia. And you look at what the West has done vis-a-vis those two countries in the last, you know, five plus years. Biden describing, you know, Saudi Arabia as a pariah state. 
There was, you know, the notion that the uh, oil industry is dying. You had Europe focusing on, you know, solar, hydrogen, all those kinds of things. And so you really don't see much incentive for Saudi Arabia to cooperate at this point, which is a big problem. Now, I'm not suggesting that we shouldn't have called him a pariah state for the human rights violations. But, you know, you have a policy that makes it now in Saudi Arabia's, you know, gives them little incentive to cooperate with the West at this point. And that's a huge, huge problem when they are one of the two sources out there. Therefore, Rick Davis, call it the Putin price hike and get on with it, right? If this is not something that we can really affect between now and November. Yeah, I noticed today in the uh, meeting with uh, Chairman Powell, there was very little conversation about gasoline prices, (laughs) dancing around sort of the the most uh, uh, obvious problem that American consumers are having right now. I mean, Americans are on the move. They've spent two years sitting in COVID waiting for this moment to gas up the car and head for the road. And now they no longer fear COVID. What they fear is the price of gas. And today... The retail price, according to AAA, hit its highest ever for uh, unleaded uh, in the last five years, $4.62. Wow, it's a horrible report card for this administration. That is an average of $4.619 per gallon. To Rick Davis's uh, point here, a record high from AAA. And we're going to get more record highs if Daniel Daniel Juergen's thesis is correct here. Right, Jeannie? So you got to start deflecting if you're going to handle this from a political uh, standpoint, unless you're finding new sources of energy. That's right. And, and you know, they, they are, you know, we as we talked about last week, they're trying to meet with Saudi Arabia. They're trying to take some steps. But, you know, I thought, gosh, did I feel badly for Jerome Powell to a certain extent today? Because, you know, you had the president parading him in front of everybody saying he yeah. won't interfere with the Fed. This guy now has the <laughs> toughest job maybe in the world because he has now been pointed at as the poster child for if you don't do this, right. it's your fault, you and Putin, quite frankly. And but what else can the president do? Because oh, his hands are are basically tied. And so, you know, Jurgen saying prices go up. There's no political win here for the White House, but to try to deflect and to say that they're looking towards the people who have the power. I love the president's oh. quote today when he said he wouldn't interfere. Of course, you're not going to interfere with the Fed. You have nothing that you can do at your disposal. <laughs> Man, you're giving me heartburn here, Jeannie. Imagine Rick being that guy. You're sitting on the couch. The president's saying, you know, I I defer entirely to Rick Davis here when it comes to inflation, the number one issue for Americans at home. And you're thinking, oh, my God, I think my mom's calling. Yeah, who knew there was a trap door in the Oval Office? I mean, (laughs) Powell fell right through it today. I mean, you know, how would you like to sit there with the president? I mean, it's one thing for... The optics worth it, though? uh, You know, I, I, I think that the abject failure of leadership today in the Oval Office with Chairman Powell... On, on behalf of Joe Biden was not worth the price of admission. I mean, basically what Joe Biden told the American public is pound sound. This is a guy who's unelected. He reports to Congress. I have no influence on, on Chairman Powell, and I wouldn't want to have any influence on Chairman Powell, but he is the reason you're going to have so much pain in the grocery stores and at the pump at the gas station. Oh, I mean, don't blame me. I mean, like, that's the biggest buck passing. I thought the buck stopped on the Oval Office desk. Didn't get passed but over to, to Chairman fair, Powell though, desk. Well, what's he going to do, though? Send out tweets like Donald Trump and say, what's wrong with you hiking interest rates at a time like this? Or, I mean, the alternative brings criticism as well, right? 
No, look, I mean, if he agrees with Powell's strategy of tightening, then he should say so. Uh, obviously, giving support and, and effort uh, to uh, the, the, the chairman of the uh, Fed is always a positive thing. He's not immune from being able to comment. Yes, uh, right. But, but at the end of the day, the, the ball's in his court. I mean, like, I disagree with Jeannie. Why wouldn't you get the, you know, head of Saudi Arabia, the head of UAE, you know, in a meeting somewhere on Zoom or in person, drop the pretense that somehow all these people are bad folks. They, they do only one thing. They pump gas. And so if we have a gas problem, we should be talking to them at some level of government. It doesn't have to be Biden. Well, we are uh, approaching the Saudis, right? And they're taking criticism for that, Jeannie. The, 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 obviously, the whole Khashoggi story is going to come up again as soon as we start talking MBS. It absolutely will. And, you know, I wasn't suggesting we shouldn't engage with them. What I was saying was, from Saudi Arabia's perspective, both the United States and Europe's treatment of them over the last five to seven years yeah. has given them little incentive to cooperate with more production at this point. And by the way, they're making a lot of money given the current pricing situation. So, you know, this is a misstep from a policy perspective, but probably the right stance from a human rights perspective. And the Biden administration in Europe walked right into it. And it's not just human rights. They also did it over climate and other things. So this is where we find ourselves today. I kind of like this conversation. I like where this hour is going. Rick and Jeannie each got an extra hour. They got their Wheaties and they're here for the hour. The sound on panel. Jeannie Chanzano and Rick Davis. I'm Joe Matthew. We bring in Gene Sperling next from the White House and his view on inflation. This is Bloomberg. Broadcasting live from our nation's capital, Bloomberg 99.1, to New York, Bloomberg 1130, to Boston, Bloomberg 1061, to San Francisco, Bloomberg 960, to the country, Sirius XM Channel 119, and around the globe, the Bloomberg Business App and BloombergRadio.com. This is Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew. It is getting hot in Washington. That is not clever writing. It's actually really hot in Washington. 96 degrees right now? Yeah, it's still 96 degrees. Humid in the capital. You can hear the air conditioners buzzing, helping to remind us all of our thirst for energy. Record high gas prices today. Energy could be the stickiest part of the inflation story. And we're going to get into all of this coming up with the president's senior advisor, Gene Sperling. Rarely has so much uh, been made of a single meeting. huh? Biden in rare Powell meet. I see the headline on the terminal seeks to deflect inflation blame. Uh, we did discuss this in the independent Fed earlier this hour. President Biden has not changed his tune. I'm just not sure what people were imagining was going to happen. You know, they're going to sit there and sort of solve this today in the Oval Office. Maybe light a fire. I don't know what people thought would happen. But the Treasury Secretary was there as well, Janet Yellen. And so we're still we're still moving forward here uh, with the plan that the administration has laid out. And there appears to be a much more focused conversation now coming out of the long holiday weekend, which is why it's a pleasure to welcome Gene Sperling back to the program, the White House American Rescue Plan coordinator, more importantly, senior advisor to this president and, of course, uh, his third administration here. Uh, Gene, it's really great to have you back. This kind of inflation is new to everybody. I guess it doesn't matter how many White Houses you've been in, maybe if you were uh, running things uh, back in the 70s, but I know you're a much younger man. That said, the energy component here is is of great concern. 
realizing the administration is deferring price control in the, the war on inflation to the Federal Reserve, there's only so much you can do in a global oil market that seems to be shrinking. Do you feel that way? Well, I think that when something's your top priority, you do everything you can. You're right. This is quite a unique period, right? You've had you've you've had a Biden recovery that had the greatest job growth in the history of the country in 2021, best growth since uh, 40 years, largest drop of in unemployment ever, and yet you're doing that is not helping you to necessarily escape from what is a very serious global inflation problem. We just saw at the euro, that's yeah. at 8.1%. The UK's at 9%. So, you know, that's, and that's of little comfort to an American family who's here, that it's a global problem when they're going through the gas pump sure. or at the, at the grocery line. So I think that, you know, the president started today with basically saying that, this was going to be a presidency that was not just going to say it respects the independence of the Fed. It was not going to be bullying them or, you know, trying to intimidate sure. them publicly, which is funny. If I say that, people think I'm talking about Trump, but it's actually <laughs> five different presidents since 1960 have have uh, 64 have have participated in, in kind of in trying to intimidate the, the Fed. So, first of all, you start and you make clear this is top priority. I respect the independence of the Fed because, of course, monetary policy is going to be the most powerful tool. Secondly, you recognize that one, you know, one of the, the strong outgrowths of this recovery is that it surged growth in revenues and it made it possible to roll off a lot of the emergency sure. spending programs like UI and, and, and the economic impact payment. So we're seeing one and a half trillion dollar decline in the deficit that dampens yeah. inflationary pressures. And then the president, you know, and, and I could do it, but I'll, I'll stop to get questions, you know, goes through all the different things from the historic release of the Strategic Petroleum Reserve to sure. trying to bring down prescription drug costs. And so every single one of those, somebody could say, well, that's not a silver bullet. But no, it's something of course. Your top and you know that this audience hears about these steps, Gene, and I, I hate to interrupt. We have such little time. But this sure. this audience is pretty sophisticated with with exactly yeah. what you're talking about, the, the, the stages and the steps that have that have been taken here. Um, what are your what? It's a damned if you do, damned if you don't in a way, though. What's your reaction to those who, you know, you, you heard me mention the, the headline uh, th- that the, the president was essentially deflecting inflation blame by having Jay Powell on the couch. Now, the other the other extreme is is Donald Trump tweeting at Jay Powell, telling him what to do with interest rates. Is there something in the middle here we can find? No, I, I don't think this is about being in the middle. I think this is about the importance of respecting the independence of the Federal Reserve, particularly when they're doing something. You know, we understand that our Federal Reserve is independent and has, it sure. has while they have a dual mandate at times where inflation becomes the highest concern, that they're going to take steps to dampen that inflation. And that's going to be raising interest rates. And the president is making very clear that he is going to respect that independence. Respecting that independence, as I've seen in my past presidencies, whether it was with you know, Alan Greenspan or, or yeah. Ben Bernanke uh, makes it easier for presidents and heads of, and Fed chairs to talk and to to share, you know, insights so that we all understand sure. uh, the direction that we're rowing in. Philosophical um, question you, for you, again, Gene. 
you about, try to about the to, economy here. It's just philosophical question. When it comes to fighting inflation, we saw German inflation at a fresh record high. You've made the point this is a global phenomenon. The president and the administration have also made the point that it's driven by the war in Ukraine and then it's driven by COVID. These are all completely different factors than the Federal Reserve has countered before with the sledgehammer of tightening, of raising interest rates. Do we need to not be more delicate with our response here? If these are specific issues, supply chain, war in Ukraine, if you fix those, then inflation goes away, no? Well, you know, you're going to put me in a bind because obviously I just went and said that those of us in the White House, you know, shouldn't be commenting uh, uh, or trying to influence the Federal Reserve. I would say the following. Um, I do think, you know, I, I don't think this is about deflection of blame. This is a global crisis. You know, it, it is everywhere. It's not any one head of state's fault. And there's no doubt that Delta and Omicron made it harder to have that supply, uh, uh, const- you know, uh, to, to correct some of the supply constraints. Mm-hmm. And, of course, the war in Ukraine didn't cause all the inflation, but it is true that gas prices were at $3.31 on January 17th when Putin moved tre- troops to the border of Belarus. So it's yeah. clearly thirty or more worse. So that's just recognizing that, yes, I don't think this is the fault of any particular head of state, but I think every head of state, including Joe Biden, feels it's their responsibility to do what they can. Now, yep. I think it's just basic economics to know that the Federal Reserve's monetary tools are going to have a greater impact on uh, dampening inflation than sure. a lot of things that can be done by an administration, even if you had a cooperative Congress. That said, Clearly, having a major decline in the deficit is something that does there it dampen is. the deficit again, too. Gene Sperling, I'm out of time. Come back and see us on Bloomberg. Meet Gary. Gary's about to become an Einstein in an instant. Whoa, Einstein hair. I like it. That's right, Gary, because you're using Salesforce powered by Einstein AI to connect data, predict business trends, generate personalized content, and wow customers. I do feel a lot smarter. Because you're not just Gary anymore. You're Gary, empowered by Einstein AI. Did you hear that, team? I'm an Einstein. Oh, can I get a selfie? The number one AI CRM. Now everyone's an Einstein with Salesforce. Top Thrill 2 is like no other course. Two 420-foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy. Copy that, driver. Go for maximum acceleration off the start. Measure that. You've got a short straightaway to push from 0 to 74 on the first vertical speedway. And what about the rollback? Rollback will set you up for an explosive reverse climb 420 feet in the sky so you reach 0 Gs in total weightlessness. 420 feet of straight-up speed. Let's get it. Top Thrill 2, the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch Stratocoaster. Get your tickets at cedarpoint.com. Face it, your business is unique. It faces challenges and risks that are specific to your industry and to the skills you and your team bring to every challenge. You need experienced insurance professionals. The Hartford accepts the challenge. The Hartford understands that protecting your business with the proper insurance can be a challenge. The Hartford team can help provide coverage to suit your industry. The Hartford empowers mid- to large-sized companies like yours to easily manage risk from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. With experience in underwriting, risk engineering services, and claims, the Hartford faces any challenge to deliver innovative, customizable solutions that your industry 
and your unique company demand. Let the Hartford help protect what's unique about your business. Learn how at thehartford.com. This is Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. As we reassemble the panel on the fastest hour in politics, Rick and Jeannie are with us for the rest of the hour. Rick Davis and Jeannie Shanzano, Bloomberg Politics contributors. Fascinating conversation with Gene Sperling. Rick Davis, I'm curious if you still feel the same way after what we discussed in trying to tackle the issue of inflation, not just practically, but also through messaging optically with the Fed chair in the Oval Office today. Is this going to be something we're talking about for the rest of this administration? Well, first of all, we don't know how long this is going to last. So I think the assumption you have to have, especially in this administration, which, you know, sort of bought inflation into this, you know, it's transient, it's not going to last long. If it if it lasts six months, it could last a year. And 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 the one thing you don't want to do is stop talking about inflation and start talking about a recession, right? That's the only time it gets worse than yep. when it currently is. Yep. So, so absolutely, they have to be committed to a long-term fix. And the long-term means, you know, that we have to reinvest in these resources we have in our country. I mean, I thought, you know, it was really interesting to note that there are three big oil producers in the world, us, Russia, and Saudi Arabia. That's well, true. why don't we look at us as an option here? And so rather than having to worry about everybody else, that has to be reinvested. That wasn't invested in during the uh, Trump administration, even though he talked a good game. There wasn't like this excess capacity available to this administration when they took office. And this administration has got to get over the bugaboos of, of uh, you know, making an investment in that in that industry. And then and then I think there are all these other things that you described, I thought, very well. Um, you know, supply chain and, 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 and infrastructure, and some of that is being done. So yeah. you have to have a longer-term point of view, and you got to take and some no of the, politics does. the political short-term impact to that. And so suck it up. Jeannie, look no further than the front page of the Washington Post. I was struck by this this morning. U.S. policymakers misjudged inflation threat until it was too late. That's what people woke up to this morning. Not everybody listens to and watches Bloomberg and is as deep as we are in these conversations where it's 50 versus 75 basis points. No, the Post here says policymakers blew it on inflation. And then it was coupled with an inflation timeline, Jeannie, that goes back to February of 2021. Is this now the the way the White House gets to the living rooms, the, the mainstream conversation about inflation. We're not talking to the markets anymore. We need to talk to real people. Yeah, I, I mean, and, and, you know, people should listen to Bloomberg because we talked about this going back, but the White House simply wouldn't even say the word for That's many, true. many months. And, you know, obviously they were hoping it didn't happen, but it did. And you look at the president's op-ed out in the Wall Street Journal, and it's interesting. He is he is right. There is good news on the economy, quite frankly, but you can't overcome what people are facing, you know, as they go to the to the gas station to fill up. And the problem with with what Sperling said, quite frankly, is you can only blame Putin so far. Yes, oil prices did rise after the invasion, but inflation impacts more than oil. People are paying more for everything. That's right. And so these macro, you know, realities, you know, down, you know, unemployment is down, supply chain is better than most other countries, business investment up. People don't feel that. And so the White House is stuck in this problem. And I thought one of the interesting things about the president's 
plan is he doesn't talk about build back better in this op-ed, but every single idea he has to address it is encompassed in build back before. better. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a, it's a flashback to the whole build back yeah. better debate, and I'm not sure that's something. Well, Sounds I know a lot for like the State of the Union address. Yeah, it's as it's well. probably not going to pass Congress. I would suggest so. You're back to square one, yeah. and the problem, even you know, Rick's idea, invest in the U.S. is a great idea, but that's not going to help them for the midterm. It's not going to help them short term, and that's their big problem. Well, the president did not get high remarks at the big rally over the weekend in Wyoming Saturday night in casper wyoming but then again liz cheney didn't either here's former president donald trump ripping into liz cheney as i read here on the terminal trump stages rally in his quest to defeat cheney here he is liz cheney hates the voters of the republican party and she has for longer than you would know wyoming deserves a congresswoman who stands up for you and your values not one who spends all over time putting you down, going after your president in the most vicious way possible, and loving endless, nonsensical, bloody, horrible wars that never end. They just never end. The Cheneys are diehard globalists and warmongers. Well, how do you really feel? And by putting you down, I mean going after your favorite president, Rick Davis. Uh, I guess uh, several uh, people who were at the rally including uh, Congresswoman Boebert, had trouble uh, pronouncing the name of the woman running against, had been sort of recruited to run against Liz Cheney. But this isn't until August 16th. Does that mean that that's the, that's the next thing that matters to Donald Trump in the campaign cycle? Well, after licking his wounds coming out of Georgia last week, he wanted to do something to sort of change the message. And this was a great, great way to do that. Go and attack one of your own. Um, you know, it, it, the thing that needs reminding is Liz Cheney voted with Trump 90 percent of the time. Yeah. She she was one of his best advocates inside the House of Representatives for his agenda. That being said, her argument with him is related to his conduct during January 6th and the subsequent Stop the Steal campaign. And 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 so when he says that she's been not a good Republican for a long time, it that part's not true. What is true is that she doesn't like Donald Trump and has made it a, a cause celeb and a career move to to try and beat that. She's got a lot of time left in this primary. She's got a lot of money in the bank, much more than than her uh, uh, opponent, primary opponent, uh, Harriet Hageman. And 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 so this is not a done deal. And that's why Donald Trump showed up, because the last thing he needs is for for Liz Cheney to win re-election, and that would be seen as the biggest rebuke of this election cycle. I'm going to say it sure would. And I, by, would she get on a committee, Cheney? <laughs> yeah, you know, the reality is if Trump can't win in Wyoming, where he got his largest margin out of any state in 2020 and did it incredibly well in 2016, he can't win anywhere. So, you know, this is a do or die place for him. And of course, Liz Cheney is his number one opponent on this question of whether the 2020 election was stolen. So I think this is the definitive referendum on this question of whether the Republican Party is going to be focused on looking back to 2020 and relitigating that or whether they're going to look forward. And I would suggest even if many members of the Republican Party won't say it, some of them secretly hope that she wins because they don't want their party to be about looking back. They want it to be about looking forward. And, you know, what was funny to me at this rally was, you know, Trump claiming that he swept Georgia. I'm not sure he saw those results, <laughs> but sweeping Georgia was not amongst the things he accomplished uh, there. Just say it. At least half the people will believe it uh, here, Rick. 
what do people think of Dick Cheney in the Republican Party, Rick? Is there really a split here? The way that, that, that Trump really went for the warmongering, uh, there, there is obviously an element of the Republican Party, the nationalist streak that helped Donald Trump get elected that feels that way. But how, how wide is that? Well, I don't think it's very wide, and I think it's pretty much forgotten. I mean, the reality is it's been a long time since Dick Cheney held office as vice president uh, and uh, arguably helped get us into the war in Iraq. And and so I, I think that's beating a dead horse. I really don't think that there's anything that someone's going to find in a poll in Wyoming, certainly, where he's still seen as a very popular figure. I mean, you assume this attack by Trump is going to be effective, but the Cheneys are political gold in Wyoming. And so going after her father is really missing the mark. I mean, he might have a shot on goal with her, but going after Dick Cheney in Wyoming? Wow. I mean, like, that's a waste of time. Fascinating conversation with our panel. Rick and Jeannie, of course, are here. And I don't know if you guys have had a chance to weigh in on the peach tree scandal. The peach, the petri, the petri scandal. Marjorie Taylor Greene. Have you seen this thing has been viewed over a million times now? Of course, just off her primary win, was talking during her latest broadcast of MTG Live. Remember, we talked about lawmakers, their podcasts, their shows. Things happen. Uh, And in this case, the congresswoman was talking about how the government wants to monitor everything in your life, including what you eat. Listen to Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene. The government totally wants to provide surveillance on every part of your life. They want to know when you're eating. They want to know if you're eating a cheeseburger, which is very bad because Bill Gates wants you to eat his fake meat that grows in a peach tree dish. Whoa. Okay. Did you get that? Peach tree dish. Sebastian, get the short one. Just listen closely when she says it. Peach tree dish. It's like peach tree street in Georgia. The peach tree dish. This is, of course, the same woman who introduced us, though, to the gazpacho police. Remember? Go for it, Sebastian. Not only do we have the D.C. jail, which is the D.C. gulag, but now we have Nancy Pelosi's gazpacho police spying on members of Congress. Watch out for the gazpacho. Don't mix it with the peach. Jeannie? This is the kind of programming that you get in the age of podcasting and YouTube from our elected officials. I think we need to focus exclusively like once a week on these public officials and their podcasts. I think they we are. are. The best. <laughs> You're right. We are. Did you hear Petri there? A Petri dish, Rick Davis. Uh I don't even know how to comment about Marjorie Taylor Greene and most of what she talks about, but it's all a, you know, wonderful scandal that she's obviously, you know, giving us information about that in our bellies, there's some kind of a bug that's, you know, reporting to the government on what we eat. I I feel sorry for that bug in my belly. Is Bill Gates making fake meat? I didn't know he was even in that business. This whole thing has been fascinating to me. put, Put the gazpacho in the peach tree dish. And see what you get for dessert. The best panel in the business, Rick and Jeannie, back here tomorrow. We'll meet you again on the fastest hour in politics. I'm hungry now. I'm Joe Matthew. This is Bloomberg. Top Thrill 2 is like no other course. Two 420-foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy. 
Copy that, driver. Go for maximum acceleration off the start. Roger that. You've got a short straightaway to push from 0 to 74 on the first vertical speedway. And what about the rollback? Rollback will set you up for an explosive reverse climb 420 feet in the sky so you reach 0 Gs in total weightlessness. 420 feet of straight-up speed. Let's get it. Top Thrill 2, the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch Stratocoaster. Get your tickets at cedarpoint.com. The Hartford understands protecting your business with the proper insurance can be a challenge. The Hartford team can provide coverage to suit your industry. The Hartford empowers mid- to large-size companies like yours to help manage risk, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. Let the Hartford help protect what's unique about your business. Learn how at thehartford.com. Join global business leaders and investors at the Bloomberg Sustainable Business Summit, returning to Singapore on July 31st. Take part in solutions-driven discussions on how to drive business value and unlock opportunity while remaining nimble in times of change and greater ESG accountability. Learn more at BloombergLive.com slash SustainableBizSingapore. That's BloombergLive.com slash SustainableBizSingapore.